I want to continue with what we've been sharing on and pass it on. Uh, the whole idea about pass it on, and we know the, the scriptures tell us to pass, pass it on. In Genesis, we see God chose Abraham to, to show himself to it, and he knew that Abraham was going to pass it on and, and said that there's a blessing for those who capture this. They get to come under, they become children of Abraham, and they're going to have a blessing. And so that blessing has been passed on for centuries for those who grasp this truth uh, and this, this image of who God is. Uh, the Bible tells us that parents are responsible to pass things on to their children. We see in Thessalonians that if you've been helped by the word of God or someone in the church, he says, what you've learned, you're to pass it on. You're to take that to someone and teach what you have learned and pass it on. And so in this teaching of pass it on, we, we see the concept constantly. You know, we're to pass it on to what we have learned. The processes that we've been through, we're to pass it on to the next generation. And Northwest... We, we recognize this, and one of the things that we've been criticized uh, and praised for is how we make young leaders. We put young people in charge. You know, it's, it's like if you, the Kentucky Derby, okay? It's, all the horses are running to the finish line, okay? There's first, here's second, here's third. Who's the leader? This one right here. He's <laughs> one in front. But he's only in front by that much. But he's in front. And so this whole idea that we, uh, and, and we see Jesus, he chose teenagers. He chose young. But we get criticized a lot because, oh, you've got, <clears throat> you know, these young people. And let me tell you, the, the, where the church is today, I believe, according to the scriptures, it makes room it tells us that being a church of generations, which is what the, the, the term that we use, that we're a church of generations, you know, that, that there are old people and there are young people. And it's very difficult uh, for many to have a pastor, a teaching pastor come up here and they're the age of that person's child. And you're to receive things of the Lord from that person who's going, my kid's, my kid's older than her. It's also difficult for some of the young people to come and have an ancient guy telling them how to live their new life in this modern world. It's going, man, you were back there with dinosaurs. Come on. I think he even smelled like mothballs. You know, how many had a grandmother that smelled like mothballs? My, my grandmother smelled like split pea soup all the time. I don't know why. She never made it, but... But we have smells, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, it, it takes a lot of tolerance for a young person to be able to receive something from an old person who's saying things that's disturbing to their lifestyle. And it's also very difficult for the old person to be receiving something from the Lord, from someone who's younger than their own children. So there's a tolerance but it is a sign of the New Testament church. Not the Old Testament, the New Testament. What happens when Christ has come? He has leveled the playing ground if you are in Christ. And so I want us to, to recognize that. And so I, I 
came up with this thing that says possess it and then pass it. There's a lot of people who want to pass on something, but they've never possessed it. They've heard about it. They've read about it. But there's something missing, and it doesn't get passed to the next generation. There needs to be a deeper understanding, a, a, a deeper truth to what it is that you need to pass to the next generation. And an experience like none other. That, that when you're asked this subject, boom, boom, I can go deep and I can go shallow, I can go long, I can go short. I know this subject. That's what the Lord has called us to pass on. Things things that we've grown, grown in. Let me give you, uh, I mean, even the music style. I mean, wake within me. I'm not gonna ask who was offended by the dancing up here, but I know somebody out there is. Do you see that worldly dancing? You know, do you know where the first place they danced was before the Lord? And if someone steals it and makes something else out of it, it's not forbidden for us. I, I refuse to allow the enemy or the pious to steal what is ours in the beginning, and that's to dance before the Lord. Did you know the Lord dances over us? It's in the Bible. He dances over us. Yeah, I don't know what he does, but it, <laughs> it's got to be better than that. <laughs> but even our music style, you know, dance. Let me give you a letter that was written to a church. Not this one. We've gotten letters like this. That I am no music scholar, but I feel I know appropriate church music when I hear it. Last Sunday's new hymn, if you can call it that, sounded like a sentimental love ballad sung in a saloon. That's us. <laughs> If you insist on exposing this kind of rubbish in God's house, don't be surprised if many of the faithful look to a new place of worship. The hymns we grew up with is all we need. This letter was written in 1863. And they were writing about the song, Just As I Am. God has called us to be tolerant and to look what he's doing for this generation. To possess what we are to pass. It's authentic. And you know what? That doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Authenticity is the language of every generation. To be authentic, to be genuine. When I worked for a, a, a huge church, a, a miracle ministry type thing, and when they found out that I had resigned, aka fired, um, <clears throat> getting people saved, um, they wanted some dirt on him. And they would call me, news, I mean, national newspapers, and said, Is he? What do you think of him? What do you think of him? I said, listen, if I don't agree with his theology in some areas, but he believes everything he's saying. He was authentic. 
And that kind of passion draws people to, to totally be, I'm 100, it's my opinion and I'm absolutely convinced of it. You know, it's like, to be convinced. And that is what it is. If we're gonna pass something on, there has to be a possession of the truth. Look what the scriptures say. Let me slide up here so I can see it. It said, in the last days, it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. I have to allow the young to have a vision, to respect it. I test it to the word, but they have to realize that God has called me to dream. I'm not done. Too many people get done. We've raised our kids, we got grandkids, you know. I'm done with church. You've yet to dream. And the young people have to release us to to continue to dream and see what is possible as we honor the visions that they get. It's a two-way street. Oh, I don't want to go too far, too fast here. (laughs) Wow. The young, the old, we're doing this together. Neither of us are left out. When the Spirit comes, it draws us together in ministry, each with their own gifting, their own calling. You know, one's a hand, one's a wrist, the other's an elbow. A hand cannot make it to the other side of the room without legs. We all need each other. And with the, well, let's just go ahead. In Galatians, and who All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. You didn't put on a a female Christ. You didn't put on a male Christ. We put on Christ, the Savior, the Redeemer. All have done it. Like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female. This is a new day. In the past, you see that you had to have male elders and all this in the Old Testament. But listen, we were all looking for when the Savior of the world came, everything changed and says, this has happened. In Christ, there's no male or female. People who criticize this, they're going, you have women who teach men. Uh, they're teaching Christ. You have someone who really, they don't have a college degree. They're teaching Christ. It says it's like putting on new clothes. It didn't say put on a new education. It didn't say put on this. It says, it says, it is like putting on a new clothes. I am in Christ. That's why in the old church they would come up with robes. That was to represent them putting on Christ. But the freedom here says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. 
the blessing goes on. The female gets the blessing, the male gets the blessing. The slave, the poor, the poor, the servant is going to have the, the ability to give a word of the Lord if he's in Christ. And it is to be honored. We test it to God's word. That, that, that's why the, the, the Bible is so valuable to us. It says, you are all his heirs and God's promise. His promise to Abraham. This is, this, this, this is a new dynamic. The key is putting this thing on in Christ. None of us are going to be left out. But we have to possess this. We have to possess this truth to pass it. You men, you want your daughters to be everything they want, you want, you, you, you want God has called them to be. You, you want that. But how do you treat your wife? Do you treat her like she's second class? That she doesn't have an opinion in the family business? You got nothing to pass on. You can read the scripture all you want to. But what you do is what they're going to hear. Not what you say. I know we, growing up uh, in the decades of being in the church and teaching that you had different movements. You had you know, the word movement. Just speak a word to it. Just speak a word to it. And, you know, and as, as honest as that is, you know, because faith comes from hearing the word, but there's more to it than just hearing. It's doing the word. But back in that day, everyone just, well, I got a scripture for that, and I got a scripture for that. I got, oh, I love the brother, I got a scripture for that. And I'm looking at him and saying, you got a lot of scripture, but you got a lot of no do. So not a, one of these things are applied in your life. You're just throwing out, oh, that. You know, it is just not a name and claim it. And Jesus is about to make that very clear to us. That it's just not a matter of quoting some scripture. Now, quoting scripture is great if you possess it. It's a process that comes to possess such, such incredible things. To be able to pass it on. So many times in scriptures, um, when Jesus would teach, he would have metaphors, you know, he'd have parables that he would tell. And most of them were about farming. Now, I love to farm. Um, I'm getting ready to plant my corn. I just turned the field. But the, the, the concept that people get is that I'm going to just drop a seed here, you know, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies. Oh, if you cast a seed, you know, in, in thin soil. This is, I mean, you have all these agricultural metaphors that Jesus taught. And, and what comes to mind is that in agriculture, people think it's a prepare. Prepare the soil, drop the seed, and wait. And so many of us in the past, and the present have treated our faith that way. Oh, I'm just going to plant a seed and I'm going to watch it grow. Sit back. I gave my life to Jesus and I'm going to watch it grow. There's nothing to pass on. And unfortunately, too many in the church have been saying, well, just drop a seed here, prepare the soil, drop a seed, drop a seed. That's not what the scriptures are saying. The very few places that we see Jesus teaching 
architecture, architectural terms, that comes prepare and build. People don't like to build. Most people don't like to build. In, in my neighborhood, pretty much when I bought the land out there, um, it was typical for most of the people to contract someone to build their house or they built it themselves. And after, uh, I think about 10 guys had built it and it had been about five years, half of them were divorced. Building is a pain. The permitting, the just coming up with the design of the house, the, the, what it, it, even if you have a contractor dealing with a contractor, then going back and changing, it was just, building is a real pain. I'm so sick of Orange County trying to build onto here. We tried to connect the buildings. We tried to change this, trying to, and we've spent probably close to $60,000 in changes and haven't built anything because they just are hard to deal with. And now, you know, we, we're getting ready to build an Apopka. <clears throat> and a large part of me turning the lead pastorship over to Pastor Peter this is for a young man. <laughs> Building is for a young man. Because there's sleepless nights. There's turmoil. There's doubt. There's no money. There's people who end up hating you, despising you, who were friends. The process of building. But Jesus is going to give us instruction. See, to build something, the first place, okay, uh, building an Apopka, uh, our project is what, seven million? Pete's, Pete's making like he's not in the room. <laughs> Guess what? The first million, guess where the million, we're going to spend a million dollars, guys. First million, you want to go look at it? Can't, because it's all in the ground. To build up, you have to dig down. We have to put in the wires. We have to put in the sewer. We, ha we have to move this dirt over to the here. We got to take this and make that a retention pond. And after we spend $1 million, you're going to go out and see dirt. I'm so excited. In the faith, before you build up, you have to dig down. And so many in the church don't want to dig down. I've already been down. I need to come up. But we see that we have to dig down. My, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law built up beautiful home on an island in Canada for their summer home and I went under the house and these huge pillars come down they had to come down and they bolt it to, to rock because up there when the ground freezes it rises three feet they have other houses on their property and and they're all kind of on skids because in, when summer comes around and it's settled back down you kind of move it and level it and they built it so they float 
on the frozen ground. But this was too big a house to do that. They have to go down and find a foundation that is immovable. And when we are given a task here in the church, when we're given a task in our families, in our business, we have to possess it and to possess something, to make it secure. You have to find a foundation and it's that process of finding a foundation. It's what makes us who we are. And it's amazing how many people, you know, think they go to four years of college and they get, graduate, they're gonna get a new haircut and go apply for the CFO of the business. Well, I did four years in college. It's not that way. People don't realize that <clears throat> when you start at the bottom and you build your way up, it may, if it takes 20 years, let me tell you, there's nothing about that business you don't know. There's nothing about the business you don't know because you did it. You, you, you ran out of money and you, you found money. You, there, was, there, there was no way to make this deadline. Somehow you made the deadline. So it is with your faith. You just can't name and claim it. You have to name it and become it. You possess it. You've got to go through the nights where you get no sleep. You've got to get through the nights where you're going, it is not going to happen. Lord, Lord, Lord. I don't even know how to pray. Yet, you come through it. I built my house. I sold my business in Philly. We had some land in Alabama, Auburn, War Eagle. I lived in the woods. I lived on venison, venison stew, venison salad, venison steaks. Everything was venison. Every night I would put rocks and blocks on my cooler because I was in a tent for six months you know, to keep the raccoons out of my venison whatever. Put a mill together, milled every piece of wood. All the trim, all the rafters, all the floor joists, every piece of wood in my house. Came from that mill, had it shipped down here. Twice in building that house. It was just six months to mill it. Then I had it shipped down to build it. Twice. I asked the Lord, and this is how the prayer went. Lord, I believe you'll provide for my wife and my small children. Jared wasn't even born, my three girls. I, but I can't face, I can't, I, I'm gonna be a failure, I've spent years saving for this, preparing for this, and it's, I don't know the answer for the next step. I raised my hands, I said, just squeeze my heart and make it stop. So I opened my eyes in your presence and all this is behind me. One, two, three. Yeah. 
Maybe I wasn't in the right spot. One, two, three. Oh, crap. That night, I had a dream on how to fix the problem. You see, it's when you're in that place, when you possess it, God comes with the dream and the vision and the word. It is that is where you learn who God is. That's where you learn who you are and how far you can go. That's possessing it. You know every aspect. You know what it is to be just, you can't find the sleep. You're worried. You wonder if your marriage is going to make it. You wonder if you're going to make it. You want to blow your brains out because you can't figure it out. I refuse to be a failure in front of all these people that I know. I've said, oh, the Lord will provide. And the Lord's not providing. God, where are you? That's the process of possessing. Because he comes through then. All these people said, you know, I prayed and it didn't happen. I read this scripture in that chapter. It didn't happen. I said, well, what process have you been through? Well, what do you mean? When Ephesians says, do all that you know to do and stand, it isn't. Do all that you knew, do all that you know to do, and by God, don't fall over. Put a base down and stand up. Regardless what you look like. And watch how your God responds. Possess it. And pass that to your children. That's the foundation that they need. Not to name it and claim it. You know, the Lord blesses those who bless, you know, you know. Helps them, helps themselves. Think of kittens and cotton candy. That's not what the name it and claim it game is. If you name it and claim it, then you got to go through the process to possess it. Well, this is going to go. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, not just hears my word and quotes it, But it says, puts them into practice. I will show you what they are like. He is, Jesus himself is explaining this to us. Because I'm gonna show you what they're like. They are like men, like a man building a house who has dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When a flood comes and a torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice, does not possess it, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment this torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. God has called us to dig down when it, when this process, 
infiltrating us when, when we have a scripture that we claim it needs to infiltrate us to change our behavior. Our behavior is to get to the place where in uncertain times I can't be moved. Doesn't mean I'm gonna get a lot of sleep. Doesn't mean I'm gonna cry out to God. It doesn't mean, no, that's the process. That's the process. A house that goes through a, a, we had a huge windstorm today. It hit the house and every time it might, I go out and look around the property to see what tree is falling down. Just because the tree falls down, I said, well, I can't drive back there anymore. No, I get the chainsaw out and I cut it down. There's a process. It doesn't mean storms aren't going to come. We can't just have a mechanical response when things happen. It says, those who've heard my word and put them into practice. This is what that looks like. The process gives us steadfastness. Too often when we're given a word and we're gonna walk it out, you know what you're doing? Instead of before you go up, you have to go down. We're digging a foundation. We're trying to get down to bedrock. So we can build upon this. I've got to go down, but I want this building. You've got to go down. You've got to dig. And people say, you know, once they made a commitment or they've upped their commitment and they're starting to put on the things of Christ, this, this new clothing, it's going, man, the devil, the devil's all down there. The devil's moving all this around. It's not the devil, it's the shovel. Things are going to be upset. Things are going to get moved around. Anything that can get moved is going to get moved if you're going to hit the foundation. And it's the foundation and the process of finding a foundation is what you pass on. So often everyone's trying to pass on their kids. Well, God will just protect you and God will do all these wonderful things for you. And, and you'll never burp again. And your wife will be beautiful. Your husband will be handsome and... You know, he'll have you know, many abs. I mean, that's a, hey, listen, lower your expectation. Your husband is going to have an ab, one. <laughs> You'd be a lot happier if you just lower that expectation. <laughs> Find a man who works, who can dig down before he builds up. Who's willing to find out who he is by being tested by the things that he believes God's called him to be and becoming them. You just don't become them in one day, you dig down before you build up. People don't like to build, but that's what Jesus has called. Jesus didn't call us to build a house, <laughs> he told us to build a life. That's what he's talking about. I called you to build a life, and that's it. And then pass it on to your kids. That's their inheritance. This is their kids' inheritance. The foundations that 
you share with them. There are some here today that need to dig. You need to build something for your kids, your grandkids, to the kid next door who needs someone to father him. When you hear the word of the Lord, things start moving. It's not the devil, it's the shovel. I want to encourage you to possess what God has given you. What has God has led you to? You go, what, what does God give me? Do you have kids? Do you have grandkids? Do you have a wife? Do you have a husband? Grow that. Grow that relationship. Build a foundation in it and pass it on to your kids. Let them see the struggle for your faith. Let them see how you doubted and stayed steadfast. That's the greatest teaching you can give a kid. To let them know that you struggled, but you were steadfast. To let them know you doubted, but you ste- you're steadfast. That's a foundation that needs to be passed on. Let's stand. I hope for those of you who are going through it, Realize the shovel's in your hand to keep digging. Get it out of your way. The devil's gonna throw a bunch of stuff at you. The world's gonna throw, doubt's gonna throw, all kinds of stuff at you. But you have been handed a shovel to keep going until you hit that rock and you're gonna build up again. Well, I've built up before and I've lost it all. So, I've had a tree land on my house. That gun one a couple years ago landed right through one of my barns. Did I curse? Uh, Maybe, I don't remember. But but I didn't curse God. I got a chainsaw. I cut it off and I rebuilt it. But that's because I had a foundation already. When hard times and uncertainty comes, if you have a foundation, you just go piss and go get a chainsaw. Go get your shuffle. God has commanded us to pass it on. But there's nothing to pass on if you don't possess it. Let me pray for you. Father, there are those right now who are recognizing that you've handed them a shovel to keep digging. There's some of us who are ready to put more of the image of God on. New clothes. Well, a shovel comes with those new clothes. There's things that are gonna get, have to get dug out. Some of us are gonna lose friends. Some of us may lose family. Father, we take hold of the shovel. 
knowing that you have promised to the man and the woman who digs down and finds the foundation, you will be there as we build up, that you have made a way. So I release dreams and visions on your old and your young. It's not over. That the poor are going to be respected as the rich when they prophesy. If you are in Christ, if you are in Christ and you're speaking his words, you're no longer a male nor female. You are in Christ. The great equalizer, the redeemer, the one who stayed on the cross because of my sin. Father, touch us, deliver us, free us. In your son's name, amen. Give the Lord a hand.